If you are a Missouri Tigers football fan, I just want to give you a congratulations. Your team's 11-2, and two, you have a New Year's Six Bowl win, you're certainly a top 10 team, and you out-coached and out-physicaled Ohio State. And with the way that Eli Drinkwitz is building his program through recruiting in the portal and in high school and constructing an amazing scheme, Missouri football is going to be a force in the SEC. And you probably are and should be jumping up and down with joy. And you are likely filled over the brim with excitement because you just had your best season since 2013 when Gary Pinkle, an awesome head coach, was still there. And your team went 12-2 and that year and lost to Auburn in the SEC title game, an Auburn team that went on to play Florida State competitively for the national championship that season. No shame in that. For Ohio State, the story is almost polar opposite. And if you're an Ohio State fan, if you're a Buckeye fan, you've probably blocked large portions of the scheme out of your mind because of how hideous it was. Don't worry, we're going to be unpacking everything in this game because in a certain sense of the word, if not for my lovely subscribers and for the college football community, watching and listening to this game with me while I was live reviewing it and commentating on it, I would have totally wasted four hours of my time. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And before we resume this video, I encourage you to please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I release more college football content, whether that's preview videos, which there's more of those coming out for... Alabama and Michigan in the Rose Bowl and Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. There's going to be some videos about that released Sunday and one special video about the Rose Bowl released tomorrow. Reaction videos like this one and the one that I'm going to do for the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and every college football playoff game, along with the Penn State and Ole Miss game and the Peach Bowl tomorrow. And also when I go live, we garnered over 60,000 total viewers for the Cotton Bowl live review and watch party. And I'm going to be going live today at noon Eastern Standard Time for the Ole Miss-Penn State Peach Bowl. And I'll also be going live for the college football playoff semifinal games. So if you want to be live with me and my community in those games and have a blast, it's awesome. I encourage you to hit the notification bell. Lastly, if you want to support the channel, please check out my Patreon page via the link in the description or the pinned comment. And depending on what tier you join, you will get insider access to some bonus content. And most importantly, for all of those things outside of joining the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube by subscribing, comment your reaction to this game in the comments below. Your thoughts, your analysis, vent if you have to, please celebrate if you're a Missouri fan. Because let's get this straight. This is my biggest takeaway. And I said this during the game. I made a video. Or not I made a video, but I made an edit. I prepped for a video about a week or two ago about six names. And there are more, but I just gave six names that Ryan Day should go after to become his primary play caller. A true offensive coordinator. Not Brian Hartline, who's learning on the job and who really got the OC promotion just as an excuse to give him a raise. 
He's a great wide receivers coach, an elite wide receivers coach. He's not experienced enough as a play caller. Ryan Day needs an actual OC. He does. You, you thought the play calling during some of the Michigan games over the past three seasons was awful. This season, I don't think it was. 2022, I think it was downright horrendous. And in 2021, to a certain degree, can't blame him too much. I mean, in 2021, Ohio State simply didn't know what hit them. And I can't blame them because that team in 2021 was one of the softer Ryan Day teams in terms of physicality. And that's including this one, who I thought was tough for much of the season, and I still think they are. But in this game, and we'll get to this throughout this video, they were not tough in this matchup. They were not tough whatsoever. But you thought Ryan Day's play calling in some of the Michigan games was bad. I give you this matchup. And yes, he didn't have Kyle McCord. He didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. The offensive line had a different rotation. And Julian Fleming was in the portal. But you know what? You're playing Missouri. Missouri is barely top 25 in 24-7 sports team talent composite. You are top three. You have Alabama and Georgia's talent. They have closer to Michigan State's talent. And they outcoached you. They outphysicaled you. They beat you to a pulp. That was a waste of our time as college football fans. Unless you absolutely hate Ohio State. And unless you are a Missouri fan. And even if you absolutely hate Ohio State. I'd argue it was still a waste of your time. The only reason this game was not a waste of your time is if you were a Missouri fan, in which case, again, congratulations, you drop-kicked Ohio State in the fourth quarter. And I also know that Devin Brown was injured for Ohio State, but Lincoln Kineholz, high-caliber, four-star quarterback, the staff has praised him. And Ohio State's offensive line is littered with four- and five-stars, their wide receiver core is littered with talent as well. They have great tight ends. They have a running back who I think when healthy is one of the best in the country. And Ohio State goes 10 of 24, 106 yards through the air. And they have 33 carries for 97 yards, averaging less than 5 yards per pass attempt and less than 3 yards per rush attempt. If I told you those statistics even just the passing one before the game, you would know, you would know who won because there's no way that you're thinking that Missouri has worse numbers than that. And they didn't. Missouri scored 14 points. Ohio State scored three. That is their lowest offensive point output. Their lowest. I know I sound stuffed up and I apologize for that, but I have to get this out. Like, I have to say what's on my mind. The lowest point total for the Ohio State offense since the 2016 Fiesta Bowl when Clemson and Brent Venable's defense did swing dancing on JT Barrett and that horrifically inefficient offense. And then Ed Warner and Tim Beck got unserious, unceremonially kicked out of the program and Ryan Day was brought in. And now I think we're back to the beginning of the cycle. This is another moment 
where Ryan Day is at a fork in the road. Except this time, there's a lot more that weighs on his current decision, on the changes that need to be made. Missouri bullied you. And you, and by you formerly, I meant Ohio State. Now, when I'm mentioning you, I'm talking about Ryan Day. You, Ryan Day, looked confused on the sidelines. Blank stare, itching at his beard, not knowing what to do with his headset. You looked like pre-2021 Jim Harbaugh without the glasses and without the khakis. And you look like James Franklin does every weekend. It was grotesque, easily. 14-3. to three. The over-under for this game, I think, was 50.5. 17 combined points. And Ohio State's defense, you can blame the defense all you want. The reality is the defense did what they've done all season. They did their best. Their weakness is the run. Their strong suit is the pass. And much like in the Notre Dame game, when the offense is dormant for long enough, the defense can't hold its own forever. No defense can. Iowa's can't. Michigan State's under the best Mark D'Antonio teams couldn't. Michigan defenses in like 2016, when Don Brown was actually a good defensive coordinator, and Michigan defenses in 21-22, and yes, even this year in 2023, can't do everything on their own. Georgia's defense, even in 2021, or Alabama's in 2012, couldn't win games all on their own. They have to have help. The elite teams, the great teams, they help each other on both sides of the ball. They collaborate. Ohio State's offense completely fell asleep. They allowed four sacks, ten tackles for loss. They had one turnover. They averaged 4.4 yards per pass attempt and 2.9 yards per per rush attempt. Those are horrific numbers. They only scored three points in 60 minutes. 60 minutes of gameplay. Ryan Day calling run, 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 or run, wildcat run, um, quarterback sneak at, at his own one-yard line. What is that? At some point, you know that you're going to have to pass... The football, unless you believe that your defense can hold Missouri to zero points for 60 minutes, which is asinine. What are you doing? I'm someone who has defended Ryan Day from criticism as a Michigan fan, and not in a biased way, but I think in an objective way, for a while. And I'm beginning to question that. I really, really am beginning to question that. I mean, all... All jokes aside, Ohio State football is a program that is known for toughness, that is known for defense, like most good Big Ten teams, and that has set itself apart because of its offense. Because when Urban came here, and he got into the spread option, and he tried to do some stuff that he did at Florida and Utah, Ohio State looked at Wisconsin, they looked at Michigan State, they looked at even Jim Harbaugh's Michigan and said, cool, you do defense, you do things pre-21st century, well, guess what we do? We innovate. We, we punch you into the floor, and you take it. 
we run through Alabama. And it's not an Alabama team like this year's Alabama team where they rely purely on raw high school talent and young players who are a part of the most talented team by high school recruiting rankings in history, along with a quarterback with a ridiculous arm to win games. I'm talking about Blake Sims. I'm talking about Derrick Henry. I'm talking about NFL defenders at every position and elite wide receivers. And Urban could beat that Alabama team. What we witnessed right here, perhaps this is an overreaction, but to go from 11 and 1 or 11 and 0 and a team that looked like one of the best teams in America that was ranked number 1 in the college football playoff rankings and deservingly so because they had the best strength of record and a team whose defense at times looked like the number 1 defense in America and an offense that wasn't exactly consistent, but they had such a high ceiling with Marvin Harrison Jr. and with Henderson and with the offensive line improving week by week. To lose to Michigan is one thing. I think Michigan's the best team in the country. We'll see if that's true on Monday. And if even if they win on Monday, they still have to win the following Monday to fulfill that opinion of mine. But then to come out in the way they did, and Cody Schrader is my player of the game because he bullied Ohio State. It took him a while, but he had patience. He didn't crack under pressure, and he kept he kept to what he knew. He kept to the plan. And his patience and skill won Missouri the game. I mean, it can't be simpler than that. 29 attempts, 128 yards, one touchdown, averaging nearly... Five yards per carry. Well, 4.4 yards per carry. So around four and a half yards per carry. One touchdown. And look, Cody Schrader on the season now. 14 rushing touchdowns. 1,600 plus rushing yards. um, Almost 300 carries on the season. 5'9", 214. He runs with power. He runs with passion. He's patient. He knows when to make his cuts. Watch, watching him run through his tackles and guards and then run through Ohio State's defensive tackles past their linebackers, watching him out-angle Sony Styles is a thing of beauty because Sony Styles is an elite athlete. Where I was going with the point about Ohio State earlier is... For a team to go from 11-0 to 11-2 in the fashion they did, it's, exa- it's exactly like last year. It is exactly like last year. A close game full of what-ifs. That was, that was Georgia last year. That's what that was. That was Georgia in 2022. And that was Michigan this season. You take away just two of those turnovers, that's taking away seven points. Ohio State wins by a point. Stetson Bennett, one of his near interceptions isn't dropped by Ohio State's defensive backs. Ohio State wins that playoff game, probably goes on to win the national title. In the same way that if McCord doesn't throw his two picks, Ohio State's probably 13-0 right now, and the conversation is different. And then two games where, late in the fourth quarter, you get pounded on the ground. Michigan last year in 2022, 45-23, and this abomination 
In fact, I joked with an Ohio State friend of mine that Ryan Day did his best impression of Satan in this game. What are you calling? What are you doing? Why are you running the wildcat with Devin Brown in a wide receiver position like you're attempting the the Philly special? Or you're, you know, it, it looks like you're trying to plan for, like, the invasion of Iraq when it's just a football game. Like, what what are you doing? I don't get it. And I'm someone who thinks that Ryan Day is a top 10 coach. I still think that. Maybe he's still top six, but he has things that he has to go over this se- this offseason or this preseason. Pardon me. I said, I don't mean to say offseason. There's never an offseason, but that word is constantly flying around. So, and I'm tired, but he has to think things through this preseason. And for Missouri, Missouri right now is on top of their game. Cody Schrader is a senior. Cody Schrader is going to be gone after this season. And myself and the college football world will miss him. But you know what the beauty is about a team like Missouri? They innovate. They adapt. They overcome. Missouri right now is the 11th best transfer portal class in the 2024 cycle. They have four four-star commits, two three-star commits. They're bringing Caden Green from Oklahoma, by far Oklahoma's best offensive lineman, offensive tackle to be more specific. They're bringing in Darius Smith from Georgia, Terranio Pride, or Terrano Pride, pardon me, from Clemson, cornerback. Marcus Carroll, a running back from Georgia State. Chris McClellan, a defensive lineman from Florida. And Corey Flagg, a linebacker from Miami. And I imagine that they are going to get more incoming transfers and Eli Drinkwitz this season, looking at the 2024 recruiting class, he has the 24th best recruiting class with 20 commits, one five-star, five four-stars, 14 three-stars. And you factor in the transfer rank, and he has the 22nd overall recruiting class. Williams DeWanary, five-star edge from Missouri, number five overall player. He's going to become a Missouri Tiger. Courtney Crutchfield, Jalen Brown, Cameron Keyes, Jaron Sensabaugh, those are the other four stars I'm mentioning. And then Ryan Wingo. Missouri was contending for him. He ended up going to Texas, but still having a five-star receiver in the conversation after you got Luther Burton, who's an amazing weapon for the school. I mean, Luther Burton, one, one carry for 20 yards and then three receptions for 15 yards and a clutch touchdown to really seal the deal. Missouri's future is bright. And Cody Schrader was no doubt the player of the game, but how about Brady Cook? Took six sacks, got hit in the shoulder, got both of his arms digged up, went 11 of 18 for 128 yards, a touchdown, threw a 50-yard bomb to Marquise Johnson, and he had 66 rushing yards on 19 carries, averaging 3.5 yards per carry, and that was sack-adjusted. Would have been closer to 100 rushing yards if not for the six sacks that he took. Ohio State's defense, again, they played their game. They did their best. Missouri, overall, did their best. Offensively, defensively, special teams-wise, they did. I would have loved to see Harrison 
um, Nevis, I think is his name, hit that long field goal. That 65-yard field goal. That would have been fascinating because he hit the 61-yarder earlier in the season, and I've heard from practice that he could totally hit that. That would have been fascinating to watch him from Ohio State's 48 make a what would have been a nuclear bomb of a field goal. That would have been awesome. And for Missouri, their defensive backs overall did extremely well. Chris Abrams drained um, other players like Marcus Clark or Dalen Carnell. These are players that were constantly getting pressure. Missouri sent corner and safety blitzes and outside linebacker blitzes constantly, and Ohio State never picked them up. They didn't even try to pick them up. They just let them happen. And that's where we go to talking about the loser of this game. We saved the best for last on college football with Sam. Ohio State had 203 offensive yards, and they produced the most pathetic effort I have seen with my eyes, from Ohio State. By the way, this offense this season, you have Marvin Harrison Jr., you have a five-star quarterback in Kyle McCord, you have a five-star offensive lineman in Donovan Jackson, five-star running back in Travion Henderson, five-star receiver in Emeka Igbuka, Carnell Tate, Julian Fleming. You have talented players who've been developed from the ground up in Matthew Jones, Xavier Johnson, Josh Fryer, you have some incoming transfers like Josh Simmons or Chip Tradem entering last season. You have a great player in Cade Stover has been developed from the ground up. And Ohio State closes out the season only scoring 30 and a half points per game. The lowest since the Luke Fickle interim season 2011. How, how pathetic. You're barely scoring more than four touchdowns per game. Barely. And you know what the problem with that is? That's not how a Ryan Day team can win. It's not. You are you what what my concern is watching this game is that Ryan Day's teams were better off like twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two than they are right now. That they, they that they are better off being pure offense, caring less about the defense than they are caring about the defense, but trying to be so hard and prove that they are physical on offense to the point where it sacrifices their scoring efforts. Honestly, look look, look at Ohio State's play style in this game. And part of it was the, you know, the lack of experience at quarterback, but still, you have to trust your quarterback. And you can't play uber-conservative, uber-physical, trestle ball, Ferentz ball, D'Antonio ball, you can't do that if you want to win. 33 carries, 24 passing attempts. And many of those passing attempts were later in the game when, oh, wait, down by 11 with five minutes left to go. You can no longer run out of the Wildcat every play, or you can't run out of the shotgun halfback dive every play. This was, call it what it is, it was a disaster. And Ryan Day in this game looks like James Franklin, or he looks like Jim Harbaugh pre-2021, or he just looks like Harbaugh in a typical bowl game setting. It was bad. The offensive line needs portal help, desperately. If you get this offensive line, Ohio State fan, next year, you are not beating Oregon, you are not beating Michigan, 
And with the hires Penn State made, you are not beating them in Happy Valley. You just aren't. And I think that Ryan Day knows this. I think that there will be help gotten in the portal. The more concerning thing, perhaps, is help at quarterback from the portal. I say perhaps, though, because I think that the offensive line should be the priority here. I think that if you give Lincoln Kineholes or Devin Brown a superior offensive line to what they had in this bowl game, I think they perform better. And I think there's a chance that Ohio State might have won based off of that. You could say the same that with Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State probably wins this game. But the deeper concern is Ohio State, even with many of their starters, or just not many, but some, opting out or transferring away, they still have that much more talent than Missouri. And it was just low effort. The scheme was not good. The team did not look prepared. They had a brief jolt of energy before it was sapped away by essentially halftime. And you know what part of it is, is Ryan Day trying to do too much. He's trying to be the head coach, the CEO, the guy who's supposed to hype up his team and hold them accountable and also call plays. That Just no. And you, I think you saw that evidently. Like when, when the camera panned to the sidelines and Ryan Day is over there, scratches beard and looking confused, it's part of me's thinking, well, no duh, honestly. You, I mean, Missouri is being creative. This is their Super Bowl. And on top of you having to try and shut down their Super Bowl and try and respond to the fact that they're throwing the kitchen sink at you, you have to manage your team. You have to you know, take care of Devin Brown. You have to coach up Lincoln Kynholz because you, to be honest, also kind of coach the quarterbacks. You're doing way too much. And it's wrecking this offense, an offense of yours that I think is beautiful. So why don't you bring in someone who comes from the Chip Kelly school, because that's where you come from, someone with familiarity, or maybe not from the Chip Kelly school, but someone who wants to run a modern offense, an innovator, and you bring them in to call plays, and also to competently coach another position group, whether that's quarterback or whether that's something else, but likely quarterback. Who knows? And maybe you can intervene in play calling or give some ideas or you can still develop the game plan. And maybe you can intervene with quarterbacks at times. But overall, you can delegate responsibility and focus on being the CEO. I think that would help this team take several steps forward. Several. But this was a pathetic effort. And honestly, for Ryan Day, it's on. You are, I can now understand why there's pressure on you. I have defended Ryan Day and said that the allegations of, like, warm seat, you need changes, or we're going to change our head coach is ridiculous. I still think it's premature, but I'm beginning to understand it. Because if I watched Michigan lose to Ohio State by six points or by less than a touchdown, then they came out in the bowl game and looked like this. I don't care how many opt-outs they had. I would be livid. Live id. I would be full of rage. Bloodthirsty rage. Of course, I'm being hyperbolic here in areas, but it would not be good. And if he doesn't beat Michigan next season, and there's also some more losses tacked onto that, he deservingly will be under job security pressure. Right now, he is under 
extreme competitive pressure. And that's totally understandable. You had no business losing to Missouri, even though I think that Michigan this season objectively was just the overall better team in power rankings, in factoring in development along with talent, coaching and home field advantage. It's still unexcusable to lose to Michigan for three years in a row. Same with Michigan losing to Ohio State for three years in a row. Ryan Day hasn't won his conference since 2020. He's only won one playoff game. And yeah, and Ohio State, that's just not good enough. But let's talk about a team that has no doubt exceeded expectations and will close out this video. Um, and don't worry, I'm going to be talking more about Ohio State, but in a later video, I'm going to be talking about why Ohio State needs an OC more in detail and giving six names that I think could fit that role. So like the video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell if you want to get notified when I release that video, because that is going to drop, believe me, in the next 24 to 48 hours, because I'm passionate about not just my team in Michigan, but about the Big Ten and about college football all around. And I like when the Big Ten is good. And that means that Ohio State being good benefits the Big Ten. Eli Drinkwitz coached circles around Ryan Day at Ohio State. The Tigers had 331 offensive yards. They had two touchdowns. The defense was tough. They were quick. They stymied Ohio State. They had 10 tackles for loss on OSU. Four sacks, two passes defended, 53 total tackles. They forced two fumbles. They held Ohio State to under three yards per carry, and they almost held Ohio State to under 100 passing yards. I mean, that is nuts. Again, circling back to Ohio State, I know Lincoln Keitels is your third stringer. He shouldn't look that way. He looked bad. He he looked like Alex Orgy out there passing the football without the mobility. That's That's not good. It is not good. He looked worse than Drew Aller did last year and looked much worse than J.J. McCarthy did in 2021. And Devin Brown wasn't looking too too good either. And again, I think part of that is the fact that, look, with Missouri, their staff delegates responsibility. Their staff is innovative. They've clearly developed well. They're doing more with less. There's something going on with Ohio State and their staff. They they need a shakeup. It wasn't just defensively where changes need to be needed to be made. I feel like clearly after this season and after the bowl game, C.J. Stroud and an offensive line that had NFL players really masked some errors here. I think there need to be changes on the offensive staff after this season. The defensive staff, look, did Jim Knowles get physically manhandled? Did his defense get physically manhandled in the fourth quarter? Yes. But... Missouri was running competently before that anyway. And holding a team like Missouri, who scored 21 on Georgia, who had more than 300 yards on Georgia, and a team who scores over 30 points per game, that's awesome. The problem is the offense. That's been Ohio State's problem all season long, even against Michigan. Yes, Michigan's offense moved Ohio State's defense, absolutely. But... If the offense took better care of the football and Kyle McCord had a better offensive line, then the defense's effort against Michigan looks heroic and it would be would have been painted as heroic because it was. 
Eli Drinkwitz coached circles around Ryan Day, and his defense held their own at the point of attack, and his offense eventually wore down one of the best defenses in the country that had all of their starters outside of Tommy Eichenberg. Missouri is trending upwards, and I don't know what their roster situation looks like next year, but even with all that they could lose or are losing, there's a chance that next season they'll still be a very good football team. In fact, I'm not going to say there's a chance. It's a likelihood. Thank you all so much for watching this video. Remember to like, subscribe, comment your thoughts down below. Thanks to Crash2488 for sponsoring this video as a Heisman patron. Thanks to Spencer Brighurst for sponsoring this video as an All-American patron. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Slade, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for sponsoring the studio as an all-conference patron. I would talk about Ohio State even more after that debacle, but I'm going to save that for a different video. So hit the notification bell if you want to get notified when I release that video talking about why Ohio State needs an offensive coordinator and who they should hire and what other ch changes they may need to make on their staff. Bye-bye.